0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., Jesse Cofield holding it down for us in the DraftKings Boston studio. We are back and we are brought to you by Wrangler. Made for the ride of life. Save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order with promo code GOJO15. Got a great show for you, as always. Make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us that five-star rating and check us out here back again live Monday through Friday, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, right here on DraftKingsNetwork.com, DraftKings YouTube channel, Samsung TV Plus. and more tons to get to since we have been off since last wednesday before the thanksgiving games and all of the halftime shows before rivalry weekend in college football and all the craziness there the coaching carousel that's starting to spin round and round in that sport and a full weekend of nfl games after that but uh dad jesse what's going on guys i uh dad i haven't seen you in a couple of days and jesse it's been uh longer than we've had in a while here you both look wonderful was the holiday good
2: so refreshed you know just hosting thanksgiving is really relaxing so feeling really really refreshed and ready for this week
1: so obviously sarcasm in your voice there but it seemed by the picture you sent that the caviar and stone crabs went over very well again for those that may not know that's what jesse's uh, meal was or part of the meal uh, was, what was it, pork shoulder?
2: Yeah, we had pork shoulder. We did have a smoked turkey, too. You did? Also, this photo did real numbers. People were obviously interested in seeing, um, this. Which, this was, like, the, so we ate dinner at, like, 5.30. And with the turkey and the pork shoulder and everything. So this is stuff that goes out at, like, you know, 2. There's, like, a cheese plate, and there's this stuff, and you kind of do your grazing. There's no, like, lunch. So we don't do the like midday, like three PM meal. We do it at kind of like normal dinner time.
1: Yeah, we don't we don't do the three PM either. We do like the noon oh. or one o'clock area. Okay. Yeah. One o'clock to two o'clock, no later than that. That's our first meal. And then everything is tucked away for an hour or two before it's all brought back out for then a second meal. Uh, Again, both meals involve dessert as well. So I was always, you know, whenever we were at a place they didn't eat till 530 or 6, I thought, my God, that's too long. And I'll fill up. That's the problem is I fill up on everything else. I have no self-control to not slam dip and chips and anything else that's out there for an appetizer. And I sit down for the meal and all of a sudden I'm full. So I'm not a big fan of eating late.
2: You would have been slamming that caviar, no. just filling up on fish eggs. No, I would not fish eggs. No, God. Yeah. Just
0: pounding caviar. Mm. Man yep. knows one speed when it comes to the eggs, and that is full <laughs> speed. We will Mike, get to have you a full plate of Thanksgiving. Uh, no, I have not had caviar, and I, I don't okay. know when I'll next be in a setting, unless we go to one of Jesse's, like, fancy Gatsby <laughs> parties, where we can yeah. do this, because I don't know of another setting where I might be able to even counter caviar, because Jesse, caviar. I can feel comfortable saying this, you are my only caviar friend. I, like, I don't have friends that would be in the weight class to even have caviar <laughs> as an option at their dinner table, so thank you for introducing me to a very different world.
2: You're welcome. And I would just like to say this is a special occasion food. It's not like I just have caviar at my house all the time. So I just want right, to lay right. that out. somehow somehow,
1: Mike, I see you and I at Jesse's house trying the caviar and we'd be reenacting Tom Hanks and big and just kind of letting it fall out of our mouth as we taste it for the first time. I just yeah, know you don't see it.
2: I just know you yeah. hate it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> We
0: won't we won't waste anybody's caviar. What we will do is maybe reheat it up in a plate with leftovers. We do have some Thanksgiving leftovers to get to on this show coming up in a little bit. Also, much the same way that in a broadcast when a whole different channel of people or you're watching a different game and they send you to the second one on like CBS. We would like to welcome in all of the people that haven't been decorating for Christmas and putting their decorations up and listening to Christmas music to the holiday season. We've been expecting you. Welcome to the saving light of all of This fun uh, as we get going here and that translated right into the NFL weekend guys. We had a doozy this weekend. I feel like we got a lot of narrative stuff pushed ahead and no better place to start with that than the Ravens Chargers on Sunday night football two teams that seem always a bit perplexing and tied together. The Baltimore Ravens get a 2010 win over the Chargers, dad. And we've seen frustrated Brandon Staley in the prior weeks. It feels like every week we're waiting around wondering what might be the straw that breaks the Camels back when it comes to his tenure with the Ravens. But he kind of was able to flip the script last night, a defense that had been so maligned, especially on the back end coming off that last game really was able to hold this Baltimore Ravens offense in check for a large portion of the night. So, Dad, did you come out of this feeling any better or worse about Brandon Staley's future with the Chargers?
1: No, I, I think I almost think that that's pretty close to being sealed, unfortunately, because the bottom line is they still lost. You know, we know there's nothing moral going on. Uh, moral victories going on. There's nothing moral going on. No moral victories going on uh, in the in the <laughs> nothing NFL. Nothing moral going on with so,
0: the Chargers locker.
1: Room. So while, while the defense did play better, and that's Brandon Staley's side of the ball, they switched up some personnel in the secondary, which seemed to help them. And. And, you know, held somewhat this offense in check to, to 20 points. The Baltimore defense is just fantastic, though, as, we, as we'll talk about uh, what's going to keep them going. But you do have Lamar Jackson, obviously, to give you some big plays. But no, not really. I, I, I don't think while the Chargers lose close games. Now, this was a what a 10 point game, but, you know, they, they had it close in this one. You know they had it 13-10 in a drive with under two minutes to go uh, before then Baltimore got kind of an easy run touchdown when they were trying to burn the clock. So it was it didn't it ten points it didn't really look like ten points it was looking like the Chargers maybe could make a game out of this but I don't I don't think so. Uh, with the Chargers. Certainly congrats to Lamar, one of now four quarterbacks with 5,000 rushing yards. He did it in the fewest games, in 82 games. Michael Vick had been the fewest at 104 games, throwing Russell Wilson and Cam Newton, I believe, as the other ones. But, uh, you know, like we're going to talk about with buffalo when how they were in that game because of josh allen's running and with lamar jackson's legs we can sit here and talk about them passing better and a different offense in baltimore i get it but those two teams are going nowhere if those quarterbacks aren't running the ball a decent amount of time because of the uh, how, how well they do run the ball
0: does that worry you at all like i I look at this ravens offense and i feel like we keep waiting for the next version of it to install and the passing attack to start to catch up with it now in this game zay flowers had a receiving touchdown and then the end around to seal the game he's been everything that you've hoped for and god for the chargers look away every time that pops up knowing that one pick yeah. after you took quentin johnston who so far has really struggled compared to a lot of the other rookie receivers in this opening stanza you saw the guy that you could have and would have fit very well into the fold there but dad 177 passing yards last night against the chargers defense that came in into that game, second to last in yards per attempt allowed through the air, 25th in completion percentage allowed by opponents, and giving up the fifth most passing first downs in the NFL, that to me was kind of a concern where you looked at this as an easy opportunity for them to be able to create some matchups downfield. And they weren't able to do it against a unit that I get shuffled things around. And I'm sure, you know how it is. I mean, we talk about this all the time when we had the Alabama guys on. Nick Saban's the secondary coach. So who gets it the hardest in practice? It's always going to be the Alabama DBs. There's always going to be an emphasis on that room. For Brandon Staley, when that's your side of the ball and when that group in particular has been the issue lately, you knew he was going to spend time harping on it. But that doesn't change the personnel issues they've had and all the other things that have allowed teams to get over on them. So there is part of me that looked at this from Baltimore through the air and went all right is this some of the same old stuff that we've been worried about that ultimately puts a cap on their ceiling or is this defense just that good combined with that rushing attack to where they're going to be fine and be able to still make hell in this year's version of the AFC playoffs
1: so what I'll say is the passing game will produce more right they bring in Odell Beckham who it was you know He's hopefully starting to pick up now, especially with Mark Andrews going on IR. Zay Flowers has been having a year. You look at Lamar, again, again the, the talk had been because of Todd Munkin coming in that this passing game was going to improve. And, and by the end of the season, Mike, it will. Maybe not in touchdowns. He has, what, 13 touchdowns or, or yeah. And as his high is 36 back in 2019 at 26 in 2020. But what he is going to have, he's only 500 yards away from – uh, his most passing yards ever. He's only been over 3,000 yards once, and that was back in 2019, a little over 3,100 yards. He's going to beat that. I mean, he could average a little over 100 yards a game in the in the in last handful of games, and he's going to beat that. So from a passing yardage standpoint, he's going to be throwing for more yards. Like I said, not going to equal the touchdowns. And his interceptions are low. He's, he's always had uh, single-digit interceptions except for one year. But, but that's why I, I even said at the beginning of the year, even about Josh, that we're, we're going to talk about, does it worry me? No, it doesn't worry me, They because they are passing the ball better. And we know for the Ravens, it's all about the playoffs. you got to get wins in the playoffs. That's, that's where they've tripped up. So they are passing the ball better. Um, But you're you're not getting anywhere without Lamar and his running. You're not getting anywhere without Josh Allen and his running. So while you can improve upon the passing game, which is something they wanted to do, and I think by all standards they're going to, especially from a passing yardage and we finally have weapons or Lamar finally has some weapons on the outside. So I do think that's improved, but it's still going to go how I think his legs can carry him in certain situations.
0: I think bringing up the uh, the uh, Mark Andrews thing is worthwhile. That's still something that's new in how their offense is adjusting Isaiah likely who's working into that role. And and I think overall, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt, mostly because this seems like a defense here. Like for whatever reason, this year in the NFL seems more marked by great defense and Baltimore last night. My God, I can't believe I had people trying to gaslight me into thinking Kyle Hamilton wasn't a dude like we spent valuable brain cells having to debate his freaking 40 time coming out in the draft only to watch that space alien pterodactyl hang out in the curl and just decimate opposing offenses. Last night was, if it wasn't already secure, and he's been playing at a Pro Bowl All-Pro level this year, let last night be the final nail in the coffin of anybody who had doubted the versatility of that athlete.
1: So you go back to like a Jamal Adams when he got in the league, a Derwin James, we said that's probably one of the positions that's morphed into a encompassing all play deep, play linebacker depth, play line depth, right? And and then Kyle Hamilton comes in at 6'4". He's freakish. He has freakish size for that ability to play the three parts, deep, middle, and and up at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I, I, I'm i so with you. That's why I, as we talk about this every year. My God, the 40 cost. I mean, it's, just, it's ridiculous unless you're running a go route every single play. You know, to me, I, I, it just it just blows my mind. Watch somebody play, and how, and, and it wasn't a, a struggle early on for him of kind of where to find his niche in that defense. And now they found his niche, and that niche is play everywhere, play play everywhere yeah. <laughs> because you can.
0: Yeah, it's the Thanos meme, fire everything, and that's what they do, and that's what Mike McDonald and that defense does, and that's why I think they're going to continue to be in a great shape as they figure out life without Mark Andrews here going forward for that team. Dad, you've brought up Josh Allen a couple of times, so Jesse, let's get to Josh Allen and the biggest game of the Sunday slate, the Eagles and the Buffalo Bills, that is an absolute classic.
2: My God, yeah, this one was a total instant classic, so. You know, Eagles won 37-34. They were down 17-7 at the half. And, guys, the Eagles have now tied the longest streak of comeback wins in a single season. So they are only the fourth team in league history to win four straight games while trailing at halftime. And when this was coming down to the wire, okay, nothing was rattling Jalen Hurts. The image of him with just no reaction as Jake Elliott kicked the 59-yarder in the rain, sending the game to OT. It's going viral. He's just sitting there like, here we go. And then after scoring the game winner in overtime, he was unruffled, just like, what do you expect? I, I mean, he is him. He's so handsome. It's just I was just like, wow, so handsome. Winning I the mean, game. A, he's got it all. Oh God, that, he really that quarterback center exchange.
0: He is actually getting the ball snapped to him from a sexier man somehow. You wouldn't yeah, think about it's that? normally possible until you remember that Jason Kelsey is the one handing him the football on each and every snap. So wow. hubba hubba with that battery for the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles. That's also sneaky become my favorite part of being at games now is watching after the game because he see you see him there with the selfie video. Teams in the NFL love doing this from their account. And so I love watching after the game when some NFL social personnel member has to walk up to a guy that just finished going out and slamming himself into other 300 pounders for three hours and hands him this little phone so he can talk to the fans there and as jesse mentioned dad jalen hurts once again calm cool collected in a game that was an absolute slop fest it was raining the entire night they broke out the kelly green jerseys again in a way that i was not prepared for and i knew right away once i saw that buffalo was in trouble despite the fact that early on they were able to bother jalen hurts a lot in the first half of this game so what changed dad what changed from one half to the other for this philadelphia eagles Team.
1: Well, I mean, for Philadelphia Eagles, you know, we've talked about them all year of their winning. They're the first 10-win team, but we keep waiting for like them to put an entire game together, right? It's kind of the weirdest thing that the best team in football, the best record in football, we're still kind of waiting till they get consistently put it together because, as Jesse mentioned, they're coming from behind four times down at halftime, two times, 10 points to KC and 10 points yesterday and they come back and win. So, They've become this second-half team, and you always wonder. So you give a lot of credit to adjustments at halftime. Right now, it's still execution on the field, but you're down for a reason. Whatever that reason is, it could be different. You could be out-executed. You could be turnovers, whatever the reason is. But you come out, and you're able to flip the script a bit that, that, to me, I'm always so interested in how you come out. Well, we talk a lot about the middle eight, right, Mike? The last four minutes of a half, the first four minutes of the third quarter. And the third quarter, to me, is so key on how you come back from something. How do you react to what has been done to you? Because you look Buffalo put up over 500 yards. Over 500 yards of total offense. Josh Allen threw for over 300. Also rushed for He accounted for four touchdowns. Jalen for five touchdowns. I mean, yeah. you got your money's worth in this one, but Philly has become such an excellent or, or a better second-half team from whether it's an X's and O standpoint or an execution standpoint. You know, they, they have been getting it done in, in, in that case, in, in the second half. So this, this doesn't shock me now. The game was over in overtime. That pass to Gabe Davis, I mean, this game is over. Buffalo is winning this game. I don't know how those two missed the connection, Josh Allen and Gabe Davis, in the end zone in overtime. But a touchdown, first drive, that would have been the end of the game. Gabe Davis threw his helmet on the sideline. He was ticked. I don't know where that one went wrong, where the miscommunication was. But Gabe Davis was more to the outside, toward the outside pylon and Josh Allen threw it more to the inside. That was the ball game. Uh, so, And then give credit to Jake yeah. Elliott. I mean, you kicked a 59-yard For anyone that missed it, that, by the way, yeah. it was
0: that final third down play for the Buffalo Bills in overtime. Philly sends an all-out blitz to their credit on defense, and Josh Allen has to try and throw it right away. Gabe Davis runs a corner. Josh Allen throws it straight, and the rest is history on that one, Dad. Oh. And I, I think that's one of those things when you look at – in overtime what the story of this is going to be a lot of Buffalo Bills fans upset with Sean McDermott because on one side you had the Philadelphia Eagles defense that seemed aggressive in the certain situations they needed to be in overtime while we watched the final drive for Philadelphia and Sean McDermott's Buffalo defense that he's in charge of that he's calling the plays of sat back gave him soft zones gave him easy completions on that drive to get down in range for the kicker and Jake Elliott that you're talking about that had gone out there and been nails and so I think there's understandably some frustration on the Buffalo side with how their defense decided to play the most important points in the game because they had been so great early in the game when really Philadelphia's, I think, adjustment was simplify and let your great players be great. I saw Mina Kimes tweet it that they're never out of a game because – Surprise, surprise, they've got great players, but it allows you to just go out there and say, all right, hey, we're gonna lean a little bit more on the run. They got the ball into DeAndre Swift's hands a little bit more. Hey, we're gonna lean back into the RPO passing game. That's such an easy part of this because our quarterback, despite being banged up right now and despite having an O line without Lane Johnson playing right tackle last right. night, which was kind of a late surprise for them, they were able to adjust and compensate for that in pretty simple ways because again, when you're incredibly talented, it allows you to have to
1: simple, it allows you to simplify what you're doing and not have to go through all the bells and whistles because of it. 31 pass attempts, 32 runs for 185 yards, by the way, on the ground. Uh, Jalen Hurts had the same amount of carries as DeAndre Swift. I mean, that's, that's their magic sauce. And then on the touchdown play, that's when Buffalo did get aggressive, right? They, they went hard yeah. to their left, and Jalen Hurts runs the quarterback draw to his left away from where the blitz was going, and easy touchdown to end it. So that was a, was a tough ending for Buffalo and another big win for Philadelphia.
0: Yeah, I think you look at the Eagles, it was a weird, underwhelming night for the majority of the night, and they're going to find a way. Meanwhile, this Buffalo team played great, looked like a great football team, but now because turnovers went so far out of whack for them for such a long stretch, they're going to be in must-win territory every game for the rest of the season. I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York.
2: Graphics we just debuted. Absolutely incredible work, Billy. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. It is time for some sounds around the NFL. I'm just so blown away by that graphic. Um, Miced up Monday. That's right. Let's get into it. It is presented by Wrangler. So let's start with the Steelers defeating the Bengals. Nobody could stop talking about how no Mac Canada. Equals, Steelers gaining over 400 yards, a threshold they hadn't seen in 58 regular season games. Also outgained an opponent, 424 yards to the Bengals, 222 for the first time all season. Now, dis- despite this W, Mike Tomlin wasn't exactly ready to say we did it.
1: I- I'm not trying to paint with a broad brush and, and act like Eureka. You know, we did what we, need- we, did what we needed to do to win today,
2: and we'll keep pushing. Guys, everybody is like, the Steelers gain over 400 yards. This is crazy. Look at their offense go. They still only put up 16 points.
0: It is, but it's baby steps, and I'm sorry, it is impossible to avoid the addition by subtraction that we've seen in the nfl the last couple of weeks dad between josh mcdaniels getting fired and the and the las vegas raiders all of a sudden looking like a real football team that's making use of all the talent on their offense (laughs) and then now with this with matt canada who had been so maligned for so long and there had been so much focus on that I, i get they still probably didn't look a ton different but dad to actually get over that threshold to see kenny pickett pushing the ball downfield in the immediate wake of that was objectively
1: hilarious so I, I mean, <clears throat> I get the sixteen points, but but let's let's dive into t- Kenny Pickett. Right, this was his highest completion percentage game of the year, and he threw the ball thirty eight times, completing twenty four, so over seventy two percent. And no, no touchdowns, no interceptions, and so there might be people that say, well, he probably just threw the ball sideways a lot. This was his second highest average throw; it was eight point four uh, of the year. One one game it was over nine, or right at nine. So the ball was still going down the field, again, just about as, as much as it's been this season. And he had his highest completion percentage. And really, it was the tight ends. He was 12 of 14 to tight end. So and I've always said tight ends can be your best friend. You know what? So not, why not use them? And they were big yesterday for the Steelers. And that was a big part of that offense. So while, yeah, they only put up 16 points, you could see the little improvement. Ball still going downfield a bit. Better completion percentage, so there, there, there is. I I think something to that. It didn't translate into a lot of points, but as we say, baby steps. I would agree.
0: Yeah, I think he had a different voice in his ear. Mike Faulkner, the running or Eddie Faulkner, the running backs coach, took over the day-to-day stuff during the week. Mike Sullivan called the plays, and he said, "You know, it's a difference in your ear. It's a different cadence, all that stuff." So I don't discount the effect that that had. Uh, Dad, they should be excited. This was a baby step. I think this had a lot more to do with the fact that you had the Jake Browning bangles on the other side that completely yes. put that defense into a different place than they had been all year long. Look at the Jets. For even the best defenses that get thrown out of whack by bad complimentary football, it can undermine so much of what you do when the other teams just got so many cracks at this thing in the way that the Steelers did. So I think it helped a lot to be meeting the Bengals team at this particular juncture of their season where now there's no more Joe Burrow out there. And this isn't one of those teams where you can easily plug in a backup. No slight to Jake Browning, but that team is built to exist with Joe Burrow operating at the helm and elevating the parts around it and really nobody else. So I think think this win a lot more about the Bengals and where they're at than the Steelers who I think we're still going to find out more about even in the post Matt Canada era with that offense let's stay in the AFC North uh Jesse the Broncos go ahead and ride all over another really good defense in the NFL
2: yes yeah, so they ended the Browns uh three-game winning streak taking that one 29 to 12 Denver still streaking five straight wins all versus teams that are over 500. And after the game, Russell Wilson, he's feeling that W vibe. Yeah, I I think first of all, we're resilient. You know, I think the best part about us is we've been resilient for all these games. We've played some really great teams, you know, there's some, you know, top echelon teams, you know, obviously in the AFC. There's always adversity. And how you handle the adversity really shows who you you are and who you can be as a team and as a player. And um, I think, you know, we've handled the adversity. And senior, the, senior, the coach we got himself. I know you love this one. This game was a scorigami. Oh God! It's your favorite. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's a scorigami, guys. I-
0: I texted my dad, and I thought he wanted to die as soon as I sent it to him. There, it's become the thing that I will just plague him with for the rest of his life. So, happy Gami to dad and all the others right. who celebrate here. One of the unique scores that we hadn't had in NFL history crossed off the list Whatever. thanks to Russell Wilson and this Denver Broncos team, Dad. That I, I don't like. The defense is obviously the story because I saw Bill Barnwell tweet they gave up seventy points, and now in the midst of this five-game winning streak, right. they've given up eighty during this entire stretch. So it's been a complete turnaround on that side, but I looked up the other day. Russell Wilson's fifth in the NFL in passer rating right now. Yes. Like, he looks comfortable. This offense is so sure of who it is now. It starts up front. Javante Williams and this offensive line are no doubt the engine that make it go. But, Dad, Cortland Sutton during this stretch has been a great stretch. The field threat for them didn't have a reception of over 30 yards in the first six game. And now has at least one in four of the last five games during this win streak. So, between that, how comfortable Russell Wilson looks. Buying time and extending plays in the Pocket. this Broncos team does seem to have a lot of momentum building towards next season if not the end of this season
1: yeah listen uh, 20 touchdowns four interceptions he's not turning the ball over and you know we're, we're gonna look at the offense because you know, we always look at the relationship of Sean Payton and Russell Wilson and how this was going to work and it's certainly I I'd heard him in a in a um, kind of in an interview talking about the progression of this team and, and how it's gone let's look at the defense right and is it sustainable what they're doing in the last, they have a 5 game winning streak going on same with the eagles 5 game winning streak in the last 4 games they have 15 takeaways and you know how yeah. those that goes mike it comes in bunches and then all of a sudden it disappears so can you keep that up but normally once it starts coming you have you kind of have that year where you can keep getting the turnovers we'll see because that's been a monster monster part of that is changing possession obviously with the Browns in this game, they get their starting quarterback uh, hurt on a on a, uh, a play that was a uh, roughing the passer, which, quite honestly, I didn't really think was roughing the passer. Yet he took a hard shot in this one. So give give that in Miles Garrett. Now we kept talking about this uh, Cleveland Brown defense keeping you in games. Miles Garrett in a sling after that game could barely put on his own shirt. So that's something to keep an eye on yeah. because if they're going anywhere, right now they're in the playoffs. Right now they are. But if they're going to continue that, they got to keep that defense healthy.
0: I agree I think the Broncos turnover stuff is unsustainable that's why I go back to what's the metric for success this year is Sean Payton able to get Russell Wilson back online so far the answer seems yes that's the positive I hold on to it then weird game plan for the Browns too way too much drop back stuff with DTR when this game was still within reach I was really not sure and I know Mark Sanchez calling the game was too why you weren't running the ball more with him so another game that feels a little bit more about the opponent than maybe the team that won but Jesse let's get to one more here with the Giants taking down the Patriots in an offensively offensive game.
2: Yeah, a real stinker, this one. So Giants defeating the Patriots with nothing really on the line here except for draft positioning. Uh, but there was some drama, okay? The internet was a buzz with reports that Brian Dable, his relationship with defensive coordinator Wink Martingale was in a bad place. So Dable responded by one, rewarding him with a game ball, following, like you said, the offense stunk. It was a defense-fueled game right there. And then... He responded to the tension after the game. Take a listen to what he had to say about what was really going down between these two. Uh, Yeah, I'd say the the biggest argument Wink and I have had is who has the last piece of pizza. So, got a lot of respect for Wink. um, Done a good job. So, I'll leave it at that. Okay, Hmm. so is he downplaying the situation? Is there something there? Or is he just actually being like, yeah, this is BS?
0: I think these are a couple of beefy lads who both run hot. Who every once in a while, are going to get into a dust-up like that, and that's kind of their love language, Dad.
1: Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I mean, was there a dust-up? There may have been, but, but pick a team, any team, and there's going to be a dust-up during the year. But when your defense only gives up seven points, you're happy with your defensive coordinator like they are in this game. And, and this game, unfortunately, or I should say fortunately, I felt bad for the kicker for New England missing that, but this was a horrific game that we almost got extra time in. It almost went to overtime. That would have been horrific for everybody.
0: Honestly, we all need to Venmo that kicker for saving us from any more time (laughs) spent watching that game possible. Shout out to Tommy DeVito, though. Goes out there and notches the dub chicken cutlets back at the DeVito crib for everybody after that game. Let's go. do need to take some time to stop and appreciate the Tommy DeVito phenomenon from this weekend because bitch, that game was slop, but it was so worth it. Seeing Tommy DeVito and his family, who I'd imagine is looking for Black Friday deals on Gabagool somewhere right now, 200 strong rolling up to MetLife for that game. Dad, every member of the DeVito family looked straight out of central casting for another round of my cousin Vinny. You saw him throwing up the Italian hand sign. The whole team was bought into it here. It's one of those spots, Dad, and you and I have both been on some bad football teams over the years, and yeah. you've got to find juice in the middle of a bad season to sort of get you through some of the tough moments and for the giants you've dealt with injury all year you've been the source of all this ire we were just talking about if your head coach and defensive coordinator were fighting in the last couple of weeks and so now you've got this backup quarterback who's a local guy who lives with his parents who goes out here and is so aggressively italian in america's face and you see the way it sort of gives the team something to enjoy those are things that like It's not going to matter in the grand scheme of things. It's not going to help you win more games than you probably would have otherwise. But there is something to be said for this being such a funny point of team morale, watching everybody just give the Italian hands meme every time a good play happens for the Giants.
1: Listen, you got to grab onto something, right? The year is horrific right now. So Tommy DeVito is providing that. Hey, listen, another touchdown with that 6-3 and three starts and no turnover, no interceptions in this one. And you would think, okay, you got a third-string quarterback here. Let's make sure we control the game by running the ball. They ran for 58 yards. That's it. They were, out-gained <laughs> by, they were outgained by New England. New England had, I think, 15 or so more plays in this game and held the ball for like 10 more minutes than the Giants did in this game. Yet the Giants still get a win because New England's offense is, is so so horrid. They went through two quarterbacks again, both throwing interceptions. Mac Jones throwing a couple. But the DeVito story is great. Again, spent his career basically at Syracuse and transferred as a fifth-year guy to Illinois for that last year. And it's just, it's a great story, right? It's just a I mean, me and your mother were sitting here talking, watching this gang and you wondered if he's saying, hey guys, party at my ma's house after the game, man, and, and go to, you know, one of these oh. neighborhoods where they got the fenced the into a backyard family and all the giants are after there. After the game. Oh. oh, I mean, you know, and there's chicken cutlets out there, and mm. lasagna out there. I mean, listen, he's playing into it all, man, so let's play into it back. Because you know what? Bottom line is they're winning. They're having fun. The game is supposed to be fun. The season is awful, but what a great story that he is leaning into. The teammates are leaning to in, in, into it as well. I, I just stand and tip my cap. It is just such a cool story.
2: I mean, this is his shot, right, to, like, get yes. some good... Yeah marketing deals, right? Some good (laughs) sponsorships, like, you know, they're coming down the pipeline with his very, very aggressively Italian persona.
0: I mean, if you're not like the Rouse, I, I, and I never know how to pronounce it, if it's Rose or Rouse, I think the, it's like, Rouse. The, the, uh, the sauce, it's Rouse. Rouse. Rouse, the Rouse sauce. Like If you're like a sauce company, anything to do with pasta, aggressive gold chains, maybe plain white undershirts, uh, God forbid, he needs to be in a cologne ad because I'm sure that guy overdoes yeah. it with the cologne. Oh. So all oh, it's on the table right now, Dad. Like you said, like Jesse said, grab that net and catch that beautiful butterfly.
1: Yeah. And, and listen, he's playing into it as well, which he should. But to the football point, what he's, what he's trying to show is, listen, he's not the future quarterback of this team and probably not the future quarterback of another team, but what he's doing is he's gaining trust that he could be around. Listen, because holding the clipboard uh, for a number of years won't suck, okay? I mean, you'll get a pretty nice paycheck if you can do that for a while. And what he's doing is he's proving trustworthy to hang on to the ball. In those last three games I talked about, six touchdowns, just one interception. And that's all you're looking for. One of the big things you're looking for in a quarterback who's not the guy when they're coming in is don't turn the ball over. Manage the offense. Don't turn the ball over to give the other team a short field. And to his credit, he's done that. So we'll have our fun with him. And like I said, he's leaning into it as he should. It's awesome to watch. But from the football side, he's got to be gaining some trust as a guy who won't go in and make that bad mistake or that turnover.
0: Well, and what an embarrassing foil on the other side for the Patriots, who everything you just described did the exact opposite, refused to stop giving yep. the football away, were absolutely shredded by this. And credit to the Giants defense, no Dexter Lawrence out there, who I think is by far their best defensive right. player and completely changes the math on a lot of the pass rushing stuff. Kayvon Thibodeau and the rest of those guys bowed up and made it happen in this game. And dad, for the Patriots, I, I, it just continues to get worse. You had the Bill Belichick not naming a starter all week, Matt. Jones goes out there at first, and honestly, does not look like he wants to be playing football right now anymore. It looks like a thoroughly miserable exercise for Matt Jones to be out on the field at this juncture. And you keep waiting and thinking, "Oh, it's Bill Belichick." Certainly, they're not going to go out this sorry. And every week, they continue to find new lows.
1: Uh, It's 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 horrible right now, and I mean, especially when you put it in the backdrop of those seven Super Bowls of, of those parades going on in Boston and the fact that you had the GOAT as your quarterback and what you've gone to, right? And you see what the other side is, what it was before Tom started there and what it was after Tom left. Now, again, I'm not sitting here saying that Bill Belichick doesn't deserve credit for the, the, the incredible job that the Patriots has done and what he's done he's, he's a walk-in Hall of Famer obviously like Tom Brady they could both go in hand in hand uh, they both had a lot to do with it but we are seeing boy what happens when you don't have a great quarterback right because they don't they don't have a quarterback forgetting about a great quarterback no. they, and, and that's always the toughest part when you're running out the string to your season and you know the most important position on your team you have to start over and that's where a number of teams are every year, and that's where the, the New England Patriots are. No matter what, it has to, it's going to start at that quarterback position, whether it's draft, whether it's free agent, whether it's something, they have to start over at the most important position they've had. And up to a few years ago, they didn't have to worry about that for like, what, 18, 20 years.
0: I, I guess between that and, and I – you know what? I, I almost thought during this game, man – On the other side, we always thought Bill Belichick against rookie quarterbacks was a nightmare. It was a terror, and now all of a sudden you had Tommy DeVito actually completing some balls downfield. The Patriots' defense gave up 10 points. Like Those guys have nothing to hang their hats on here, but the difference between them and their Jets' counterpart in that division is at least the Jets have Aaron Rodgers to look forward to coming back at some point here. The Patriots are sitting there scratching their heads, although, man, speaking of the AFC East dad and uh, old Patriots quarterback, you brought up the Brady thing. That instantly made me think of – Did you see on Sunday NFL Countdown, Alex Smith completely sideswipe Rex Ryan in the middle of that clip, talking about Tom Brady saying that the NFL is mediocre compared to when he was in the league, and Alex Smith takes out the blowtorch, and I genuinely think for people that missed it, he talked about the fact that Tom Brady played in one of the least competitive divisions on earth during his tenure in New England in that version of the AFC, and Alex Smith is going off, I think, in defense of a lot of the guys still currently playing others perceived that Patriots run clearly this is a little window into some other people's psyche completely I think forgetting that Rex Ryan who is sitting next to him coached not one but two of those teams inside the AFC East in the Jets and in the Bills during that run for Tom Brady and Rex is just sitting there like making faces the whole time thinking do you not realize you're just barbecuing me right now
1: yeah I don't think Alex Smith cared Alex Smith wanted to get his point across, and he felt that that was a weak division. He didn't care who was around. The, blowtor- the blowtorch got out of control. It's like that hose that you just turn on and just starts wielding everywhere, right? That's what Alex Smith was doing. He didn't care who was around. He was just going to fire shots.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, for Rex Ryan, who routinely does that to people currently into the league exactly. right now, and considering yeah. some of his comments about Brandon Staley from this last week here, uh, I'm yeah, not sure we shed ridiculous. a ton of crocodile tears. No. Yeah, no, they, they, say they were
1: ridiculous. Ridiculous comment to go get personal like that. It was just, it was absolutely ridiculous. But you know what? And then there's the what Alex Smith said. Was it true? Was that one of the weakest divisions? Listen, I'm not taking away anything that they did and what Tom Brady did in the in the Super Bowls because you got to do but, a hell of a lot to be the last team standing. But it was a pretty weak division. But, I
0: was gonna say, but Alex Smith, I'm sure. Like you know what? That's is. is there is no better group of haters than an NFL locker room with no microphones around. And what Alex Smith just <laughs> let you into was a bit of over the years while Tom Brady and bill are bigfooting The entire rest of the league is a bunch of guys in other locker rooms. Like, man, we could do it if we were in that trash division. What the hell are you talking about <laughs> over there? Coming up next. We'll see if Alex Smith can crack the lineup in the all weekend team.
2: to Gojo and go I'm Jesse Cofield it's Monday in case you were confused about what day of the week it was because you just came out of your Thanksgiving <laughs> stupor so we need the guys to take a look back at the weekend that was and give us their all weekend team fellas take it away we got some good ones to choose from
0: yeah very excited for this one we got a full platter like you said with Thursday and Friday and the hopper we weren't on uh, then and Plenty to get to there. So, Dad, I want to start off. We'll go honorable mention, second team, first team. My honorable mention for uh, all weekend team member and this is me getting on my soapbox here looking directly at the Doak Walker award that goes to the best running back in college Ugh. football saying how dare you but also thank you for clearly lighting a fire under the ass of the slighted Audric Estime who's been phenomenal for Notre Dame as, uh, this season as their running back went out there and put it on Stanford enthusiastically in their final game of the season. Audric Estime rushed for 238 yards on 25 carries in a game where he didn't see the field in the fourth quarter or or else he probably would have had a chance to go up and over Julius Jones 262 yard single game school record but dad he's been sensational all year for them the engine that's made an offense largely dominated on the ground even though we know Sam Hartman was the story coming into the year and yet somehow inexplicably left off the list of semifinalists for the award for the best running back in the country it was a joke it was a sham and Audric Estime went out and reminded them exactly why that's the case
1: yeah it was a joke and so the the, the list went out before this game but but even before this game he was up near the top in in stats for running backs in the country anyway. He didn't need this game though, we put him farther up those bottom line is he's going to be the first or second quarterback or running back taken in the draft. He has had an incredible year. His size, his speed, his ability to block. Oh, and oh by the way, his ability to pick up a blitzer as well, which is something quarterbacks really, really appreciate. So I'm with you. An absolute stud.
0: Dad, qu- quick one there. Were you disappointed that they didn't put him back out there to go after the record? Saw them talked on the sideline. Freeman said he talked to him. Everyone yeah. involved was kind of aware and on the same page in that situation. I would have like to have seen him back out there for a chance at the record but I can understand why you wouldn't want to rub your opponent's nose in it maybe I still think it would have been pretty cool to give him a shot at that record and I wish they would
1: have I would have as well, and like I've always said, this is big-time football. You don't want him to get the record, stop him. Um, the other side of that is, man, one extra carry, and man, for some reason, not he got nicked up or hurt. Boy, you would sure. just feel awful about that. So I could see both sides of that, but there was part of me that wanted to see him uh, get that record. My honorable mention is going to go to the battery of Jalen Milrow and Isaiah Bond. I mean, I don't know how this happened. I don't know how this... Auburn beat Alabama. Auburn, Alabama had a 0.1% chance of winning this game. It's fourth and goal at the 31-yard line for Alabama. And what does Auburn do? They rush two and spy one. Jalen Milrow was standing back there for probably, oh, a minute I'm being facetious, but still, there's only so much area you can throw it to. You know it has to go to the end zone. How a Isaiah Bond gets behind a DB and that pass by Mil- Milro up and high for him to get it, Was unbelievable. Kept Alabama's uh, hopes alive to get into the playoffs. Now they'll play Georgia as uh, only one loss team, and they can knock off the undefeated Bulldogs, possibly in the SEC title game. Did not see that play coming. Thought Auburn had pulled it off. That's what rivalry is all about. But, man, kudos to those two for pulling that one off
0: me and my broadcast partner Chris Hassel for college football Saturday night, we were calling the Apple Cup, which we'll get to here in a few, but we were watching that game we had it pulled up on a computer during the game, yeah. and watching both of our reactions on the booth camera that we had set up while we were calling the game that we were at was maybe the most professionally unprofessional thing that I've done in quite, <laughs> quite some time so it was it was awesome, what a wild game and finish there, mirrored by the way by Jalen Hurts throwing that touchdown in the back of the end zone to Olamide's yeah. for the uh, another Alabama quarterback throwing an improbable scramble touchdown on this weekend here. Something in the water, apparently. Uh, Let's get to the second team all weekend, Dad. uh, Another surprise here. uh, Another Notre Dame running back involved in this, Kyron Williams had been missing a lot of games due to injury as a lot of the Los Angeles Rams had during this stretch. Made his return yesterday against the Arizona Cardinals to the tune of two over 200 <laughs> all-purpose yards, 16 for a buck 43 on the ground, six for 61 through the air, and a couple of touchdowns as a receiver. Dad, he was sensational. And I've been so pumped for everyone in the NFL to see the Kyron Williams that we knew in college. This guy is an insanely tough runner who makes every offensive line that he is running behind better because of how he. He totes the rock and to come back off the shelf like this and announce your presence i get it's against the cardinals defense but man he made it look like the cardinals defense out there with that effort
1: dude has nine touchdowns in his time on the field six rushing and three receiving <clears throat> gonna be on everybody's fantasy team i should have put them on mine yesterday for our DraftKings fantasy thing and i didn't and i paid the price for it incredible job Out of him, my second team is going to go to our our buddy who came on right before the football season to talk about the start of it and how much he is beloved around the country. I'm going to the Red Zone Channel, Scott Hansen, Scott Hansen, and what he was able to do as we're watching the Red Zone, and you start to hear that 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 bell going off, that siren, whoop whoop, you know that's the old fire alarm going off, and like uh oh. Do they going to have to clear out the room? And Scott Hanson was able to stay in that room. He said, I'm allowed to stay. I've been told it's safe for me to stay in here. And he stayed in there and got the job done as you kept hearing those sirens going off in the background. What I didn't know is that there is a backup crew in New Jersey at NFL Films that if something goes wrong out in L.A., that they go to this studio and group at NFL Films in New Jersey to pick up the slack, and they were ready to go. I did not know that, but kudos to Scott Hansen for staying in that studio during the fire drill, or or fire alarm. Pros pro. Yep. pros pros
0: scott hansen had a situation pop up that he couldn't have possibly prepared for that he hadn't encountered in two decades of doing this and handled it flawlessly not surprised but a tip of the cap to scott and you're right backup red zone channel crew probably yeah. supplant bullpen catcher for the best job in sports yep. now hang yep. out in the studio with everybody probably well catered because it's on the nfl's yes. dime and sit there and watch football with your friends sounds like Boom. a pretty good deal so congrats awesome it's absolutely incredible. All right, first team all weekend. I mentioned I was at the Apple Cup, Washington and Washington State, a rivalry that will continue through 2028, but not in this form. It won't be on Thanksgiving weekend anymore. It won't be Pac-12 rivals anymore. So ostensibly, this felt final in certain ways. And for Washington, who was looking to cap an undefeated regular season. They were 11-0 for just the second time in school history. Their biggest game of the season so far had come down to a missed Oregon kick on their home field at Husky Stadium. This time around, it was a made kick that sent them to the promised land. Grady Gross, their kicker, who I remember during the game, I was wondering about how they were setting him up at the end, and I was about to say, your kicker's on scholarship too, and then I paused because I was like, wait a minute. I don't actually know if he is, so I caught myself in real time and just talked about how good he had been, and we found out after the game as Kalen DeBoer awarded him a scholarship in the locker room that he wasn't then, but he certainly was after the game. Take a look at this.
1: Thanksgiving weekend.
2: Okay, I'm thankful for Grady Gross.
1: Yeah. And you know what I hope Grady Gross is thankful for? The scholarship he's earned.
0: Wow. Chills. Chills every time when you get a moment like that. Well earned. You see how excited his teammates were for him. One of the coolest things you'll see all weekend.
1: Those moments never, ever, ever get old. What a, what a oh. great job by him. What, what, what a game to set up now, Pac 12 championship game. By the way, uh, your quick trivia 10 years from now, what was the last Pac 12 regular season game? Uh, and people will know the answer to that, is Cal and UCLA. And Cal destroyed UCLA yeah. like 33-7. to 7. So that was your last regular season Pac-12 game in that conference's history. Okay, my first team goes to uh, uh, you know, a guy I've known for, for so long and respect so much, Andy Reid, who is walking into the Hall of Fame someday. Andy Reid is now the only coach in NFL history to uh, lead two franchises with the most regular season wins. He has 130 regular season wins when he was in Philadelphia and got his 125th regular season win for the Chiefs when they beat the Raiders. Again, the only coach to lead in regular season wins for two franchises. So congrats to Big Red, congrats to Andy, and uh, just an incredible accumulation on his side to go along with a few Super Bowls as well.
0: Yeah, Andy Reid, really, we talk all the time about Bill Belichick as the goat when it comes to coaching, but Andy Reid in the modern era certainly has a claim to that as well.